Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the bi-monthly Bible podcast. It helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighting you, delighting you, delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion, which is a, about a podcast that's so professional and not at all juvenile in their humor <laughs> seconds before we go on. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? <laughs> a wonderful, blessed and highly favored. I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, no, why, why would you? <laughs> we are very mature and responsible men here at the well. So, right, I, I am not aware of anything that you could be referenced to, especially if people go coach Patreon and then uh, listen to to uh, our to content million there. dollar ideas is what is what you get on the Patreon these days. Mm-hmm. That's, and uh, it only that's... costs a dollar at the che- at, at the lowest commitment. Only a dollar, folks. Only a dollar. And you can get in on the ground floor of what is going to be an amazing. I, I won't spoil it, but um, you know, we've we, we've we've got some gold <laughs> brewing over there. It's gonna it's gonna hit pretty soon. And now that we have ChatGBT, we can just make the code automatically for the for the app. So don't even get me started on ChatGPT. I, I feel like this is a sound this is a sound check topic. I feel like I'm the only one who saw iRobot. I feel like I'm the only one who watched that movie. I'm the only one who was phenomenal like, yeah, that could happen. By the what? way, you, phenomenal movie. Good movie. By the yes. way, do you know who voices um what's the robot's name? Sunny. 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 You know who voices Sonny? No. Alan Tudyk. I did. Oh, it is. Oh. Yup. Fun fact. Fun fact. Here we go. Yeah, we're not. We're not going to talk about AI because okay. I'll get into a a rant about how the robots are coming for all of us, and sure. we should all be more concerned. But you know, that's not what that's not what it's here for. Drell's uh, conspiracy for, uh, theories about robots. That's for uh, uh coming soon to it at the Well Patreon. There we go. Yes. Daryl just talks about how uncomfortable artificial <laughs> intelligence makes him, though he has very little understanding of it. So they tune in for that. And again, million dollars at dollar ideas. But let's get started with the question of the week segment. As always, if you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during the segment, you can email us at three guys at the well. That's number three. Then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. Gents, I don't think we've done this one. Um, but it's one, I, I know I've, I've talked about this question. I don't think we've talked about it together, but the question is, if you could see one, like one performance from a musician or band living or dead, who would it be and why? Eli's face is showing deep thought or that this something question, smells bad. <laughs> this question, I feel like we needed, we needed a heads up. Got to keep you on your toes, man. I I can go first. I I have a, I have a not a boring answer, but not an interesting answer based off of just my taste at the moment, and then an answer for like this is actually who I'd want to see. Um, right now the group I want to see. Oh, but there's two. Dang it, the group at this very moment, the group that I want to see most live is a band called Lake Street Dive that I've gotten into over the last year. Um, they do a lot of like funk. They do like they have two EPs that are just like cover albums that are really good, and then their own albums are very good. Um, their lead singer Rachel Price is, has a beautiful voice. She is su- very pregnant at the moment. I don't think she's had the baby yet. Um, but they're just a really fun band. I've been listening to a lot of their albums on repeat during the day. Um, yeah, just great stuff. Uh, so that's my like right here, right now. If you could say you could see one person that's touring 
it'd be Lake Street Dive. Um, all time, maybe this is boring. Sarah Bareilles, because she's my favorite musician ever. Like, no matter, she's the best. She's just the best. And I think she'd be amazing live. Charles is shaking his head. Charles he is now making great. a face. Because she doesn't understand how, he doesn't understand how great she is. She's my favorite <laughs> musician ever. I mean, she's, she's good. No, she's great, wow. is what you mean to say. For a while now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but. That is, that is Colby Calais. Oh, you're that right. That is Colby <laughs> Calais, Charles. You're right. How, oh, if this was if this was if this is the Patreon, I would swear. How <laughs> dare you? See, Colby Calais, Sarah Bareilles, they're interchangeable. They're no, they're not. <laughs> not that great. Oh, how oh, dare me. you, <laughs> Charles? I should swear to give you more work to go back and edit it out. That's what I should do right now for disrespecting Sarah Monique Bareilles. How dare you, Monique? <laughs> That ain't her name. You don't know that? You don't know anything about her. You think she's the same as Colby Calais? Yeah. was a bop. Sarah's gotten multiple albums that are bops from start to fit. Someone else go. Someone else go. I'm going to meet myself. Somebody else go. Oh, that is entertaining. Do you have one, Charles? I have mine. Um, the I, I'm going to do one that Jarrell actually introduced me to. Like, right now, I'd be very interested in seeing AGR. That's but, a good choice. You're welcome. <laughs> Yes, they were the most listened to in the last year on my Spotify because Trail told me I should listen to them because I would like them. And you were right. I like them a lot. Um, right about that man, Sarah Bareilles. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I'll give you a surprise. I feel like we've done this question before because I feel like I've said this before, but I've seen Josh Groban live. And let me tell you, that for free, that's the only reason I went. And, uh, Dude's hilarious. Also knows how to put on a show. He's hilarious. But in terms of all time, I don't know who I I feel like that's that's a lot of pressure. I don't know if I have an answer for like historically who want a chance to see someone dead or alive who I'd want to see. So over the course of COVID, um like for years I've been trying to find music that doesn't have lyrics that I find captivating and beautiful and there's tons, right? Um, but over the course of COVID, I fell in love with this duo. They play the hand pan, which like, if you think about steel drums, but played with your hands as opposed to mallets, it sounds gorgeous. But I love, I love like watching their, it's called Yatao, Yatao, uh, Y-A-T-A-O. Um, and they just have, they, they're just very nomadic and they, very, it, it's almost very hippie-like. But I love how they perform, and they uh, uh, a concert that I frequently rewatch on YouTube is one that they had in this church, and it's just like filled to the brim with people, and the church is gorgeous. But the way the way the sounds echo in the cathedral are uh, captivating. So I would probably go to see them, but I'm not like super big into artists. Like I like music, but I don't care much about artists. If that makes sense. I'm certainly not a fan of anybody as much as Jarell is of Sarah Bareilles, so. <laughs> Don't you mean Cal Colby Kelly? <laughs> Charles, I want you to know the restraint that I am modeling right now by not swearing into this mic. I want you to know that it is not it is it is not an easy thing 
for me to stay professional as you besmirch one of the most underrated artists of our of our time. Is Sarah's the one who actually does the stage theater, right? Yeah, she like uh, did the music for Waitress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and she was I, in Into the Woods. Right, I respect Girls her. Five Eva. Your wife watches that show. She was in Rules Five Eva. Girls Five Eva. She's the oh, main Girls character. This five. Chelsea is immediately she's behind me singing and dancing to the main theme song of Girls Five Eva right now. I had no idea she was in. She was in that. She. She's like she's. There's five of them. She's basically the main. We have to move on. I, we have to move I on. I respect her more because I remembered just now that she does theater and she and, and she does write her own music, which is also she does. This is great, but we should move on and actually talk about God. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> Corinth. Let's talk about the Church of Corinth because they had an issue with unity, and so do we at the moment. <laughs> the absolute. Mm. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. So we are starting a new season called Letters, where we are going to be looking through or reading through the epistles in the New Testament and doing a slightly different format to what we normally do. Normally, we take one big passage, we read it out um, after some context, and then we dive into different parts of just that passage. Now we're opening it up instead of just kind of focusing on one to the entire book. Now, I am not going to read entire books on here. There's much better apps and services that do that. I don't think you want that. I yawn a lot when I read for a long time, and I don't think people want to hear that. Um, so I'm not going to do that. But we will have a book that we are reading. And instead of looking at one passage, I'm going to use some resources provided by a an amazing just overall resource, uh, The Bible Project. If you have not gone to their website, if you've not seen any of their stuff, they're going to be really doing a lot of the foundational heavy lifting for us in this season because a lot of the, their work on the Bible is fantastic. They have videos. Um, summarizing all the books of the Bible. They have synopses as well to give some historical and cultural context. Um, cannot say enough about their work. We are not sponsored by them or don't really know anyone at the Bible Project, but they, both in personal study, but also a lot this season, um, have done some really in-depth, remarkable work to help us understand the context in which these letters was written to better understand the letters themselves. So I'm going to read very, very short passages that summarize the context of these stories. And then each of us is going to talk about a passage that resonated either either resonated most with them, either resonated most with us, or one that we think holds a lot of relevance for the church today, or one that just really stood out. And then we'll have a conversation about each of those. So the idea is based off of, if you listen to our um, We Back part two, it's based off of this tweet that a guy, I still don't remember his name, that a guy sent um a year ago that got pretty that went viral of if Paul was alive today, then like the American church would be getting a letter. So we want this season of letters to be relevant and related to that. What would Paul, as we read his writings, as we look at the things that God put on his heart as important to the body of Christ um back in the early church, what would he have to say? in regards to what the church is doing today and like how is it that we um can learn from that so i hope that is helpful backstory we are starting today with first corinthians so i'm going to read 
the brief uh about five sentences paragraph that the Bible project has on first Corinthians to give some general summary of what the the whole book is about. And then we'll dive in with the passages that the three of us picked um, for this episode. Hopefully we don't have any duplicates. We didn't actually discuss that. So we'll just, we'll leave that as a, a fun thing. There's like what, 16 chapters. We'll probably be fine. All right. So from the Bible project, Paul writes to the church in Corinth to address some big problems, division, sexual misconduct, confusion about food and worship practices, and controversy surrounding Jesus' resurrection. Paul says these issues can be resolved because, because Jesus is alive. But how does Jesus' resurrection relate to the people's daily life choices? Jesus teaches nonviolence, unity, and self-giving love. But if his life ended with a brutal execution, who is to say that he's right and worth following? The fact that Jesus is alive proves that his selfless way is better. Not even death can shut it down. Self-centered practices damage the community, but Jesus' life gives people real reasons for unity and sexual integrity and the power to love others. His resurrection tells his followers they too have an abundant future beyond death. This is just the beginning. His life opens a view to a whole new reality. The promise of new life, new bodies, a new heaven, and a new earth gives us a new way of seeing every aspect of daily life with hope and purpose. So again, that is directly from the Bible Project's resources on 1 Corinthians. Now we'll get into our discussion. Uh, Eli, what do you, not because I'm mad at Charles or anything, I'll go to you first. What passage stood out to you as something that Paul would have to say or expound on to the church today? Okay, well, since you touched on division, and that seems to be a spirit here just lingering, I want to dispel that and put a little work in. <laughs> Unraise your eyebrows, sir. Um, so, I, I first of all, I just want to say how excited I am to embark on this this uh, discussion with the two of you. Um, the thinking about the kind of letter that the church or the churches in America would receive. Um, is one that's incredibly pertinent my uh, to just the times. Um, we are an incredibly polarized nation that is filled with division for any number of reasons. And the, I mean, you don't have to look far in in the letter in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth to find things that are applicable here. And so the beginning of, or close to the beginning, even in just chapter one. Uh, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. Um, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Kephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? And I'll leave it on that question. But I think... Um, what stood out to me immediately is that we are a nation of choosing our shepherds in a way. Um, there is so much, particularly when it comes to social media and how many sound bites there are, how many church, how many social media preachers there are, and how much, um, how many false prophets there can be, um, sort of mingling the gospel with other types of false doctrines, the prosperity gospel. Um, sort of like this sort of self-loathing version of Christianity, or sometimes this you need to focus on you and you alone version of Christianity. There's so many different fake versions of Christ to follow. Um, and so 
the word follow came to mind, right? Um, social media is where you choose who you're going to follow. Facebook is dying or already dead, so you're no longer friends with people. You're, you're, you follow someone on Instagram, you follow someone on Twitter, you follow someone on TikTok, and you are influenced by them. They, they can shape how you think and how they talk is what eventually you mimic. Um, and so it just became, uh, to me, abundantly clear in rereading this letter that uh, as disciples of Jesus and Jesus alone, we are not called to waste time looking for other people to be impressed by um, with whatever messages they tout, um, but focus on the one who sent the messenger. And when you know who the who the sender is, you can properly assess the words of the messenger. Um, I, I just... Yeah, I, I think we've we're we're looking to be impressed by people, um, and and Paul is saying like I I didn't come with with words that are uh, you know impressive or um, eloquent and and overly wise, um, lest the the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And I think we need to as as preachers and speakers we need to be very concerned with making sure we don't gather people or fans for ourselves, but we make sure we preach in a way that does not empty the cross of its power. Sorry, I rambled on, but I, I, I love this topic. Yeah, I think that's a really insightful point that's like, oddly, it's so strange. This like Bible's 2000 plus years old. And you look at the idea, like one of the, I watched the video that Bible Project put up and talked about Paul, what, Paul, Corinth was one of the first churches that he planted and he left for a while. Then this is a letter to him writing after being gone and him hearing the like, oh, I'm with Apollos, I'm with uh, Cephas and whatever. So the idea that this is so old and like the guy who started this church, like the original influencer of the church of Corinth dipped for a bit to keep doing God's work. And then how quickly people began to identify with the messenger more than the message. And I think you're, point to uh social media even good social media like christian accounts christian influencer what have, what have you speak to just how much we still do that and how a lot of our identity can be caught up in this part this person said this they're a great follow this person laid this out they're a great follow you know at the well is a great follow and like not in there's a way we can kind of leave out well are you going to the source like, is it just like, I'm a fan of this person because I like their delivery? I'm a fan of it. And then those aren't bad things, but if it's not being supplemented with, but this is who God is to me when it's just me and not this person's account, not my phone and not whatever, like, is it, and do I feel the same way about God himself and not just the person delivering? I think that's a really, really insightful point, Eli. Thank you for that. Amen. And just to follow up on that, just like, Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow after me. And I just think like, if you lost your phone for a month, would your discipleship tank? Like, I think that's a question that we we have, particularly with how dependent we are on technology, we have to be honest with ourselves and say, like, is, is this thing, is this little piece, is this little device, the thing that's holding together my faith? Because if that's it, then I may not have, my, my faith may not be as, mature not that it's not that it's not there but that it's not as mature or as grounded as i as i need it as i need it to be yeah and i think that's a really interesting point eli because if you if the phone disappears 
or if the radio disappears, you know, if you, you, you know, you listen to your Christian radio station and that's your church or something like that. And that disappears, you know, how grounded will your faith be or will it falter? And it goes, actually, I think it goes back to the point of unity and division because the thing that we're united in is the vine. And if we're not rooted in the vine through a personal relationship and through his word, then we're in, we're not united and we can't be. And, you know, we just look at what we're looking at right now in our culture and our society. It's a culture of division because there's a lot of people that aren't rooted in the word. They're not rooted in the vine. They're not rooted in a relationship with Christ. And even when we're <laughs> rooted in a relationship with Christ, there's still division because we live in a fallen world. So how much more important is it to to not rely on the message the messenger but uh but the message and the one who sent the messengers jesus god the holy spirit <laughs> amen and it's also as last night as we move on it's also a safeguard of like if and when human messengers broken vessels fail because inevitably they will and it's the sense that like when you have so much of how you see God wrapped up and how another person kind of describes their own relationship or how they articulated though, while those things can be helpful, if it's not rooted in anything else, like, well, if that person, not even like massive failures, like there's a lot that we could go into about um, scandals within the church and uh, within people of faith, but like just when, if someone just isn't, uh, if they stop doing what if they stop with doing what they're doing entirely it's like well i don't do like instagram anymore we don't podcast anymore whatever it is if that person themselves has a crisis of faith if that person um is struggling in any way it's kind of like if that's if that's you and that's all that you are then a huge part of how you see god is going to falter with them um and so it's a sense of you safeguarded is like kind of i've we've mentioned a bunch of times on here like john the baptist and old like renaissance paintings of him was always pointing um and i think that's the posture that is helpful to take uh with the people that we follow with the people that we listen to of like seeing that even if they don't model it themselves like they should be pointing uh to where i'm getting my nourishment from to the vine to charles's point um as opposed to the being the be all end all um yeah very very good point to kick us off here eli thank you for that charles i think i've forgiven you do you want to go second Oh, that's good. Unity, unity. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was I was drawn to chapter 10 verses 1 through 12. I'm not going to read it all. But I in this section, Paul is talking about um, it, it, in my Bible, it's entitled warnings from Israel's history. So he's he's trying to to he makes the point at the beginning of basically saying like we're united like we are brothers and sisters ancestors that passed under the cloud and we're uh ate the same spiritual food so he's like we're all there but then he's like there's some warnings and as i read it i realized that actually god is speaking to us um this is actually a warning to us the church in north america america whatever um and not only is it a warning, it's actually an indictment on our reality. Um, so just going through some of the points he makes, um, in verses three and four, he talks about um, 
that we all drank or the and they all of the Israelites drank from the spiritual rock. Uh, this is the rock that followed them through the wilderness. I think we've we've talked about it before, which is crazy. There was literally a rock following the Israelites around for 40 years that was just spewing water for them to drink, which is his own thing. But um and I realized we have the mobile pet rock, yes. <laughs> the mobile... <laughs> yes. Um, but we have something better. We have the word of God revealed to us in scripture. We have the revelation of the Holy Spirit in our lives and through brothers and sisters. We have men and women who who preach the word, who preach the truth and, and insight from that. And and that's a blessing to us. Um and yet in verse five, it says, God was not pleased with most of them. And I and I went, oh, you know, God is probably not very pleased with a lot of us right now. Um, because, and, and then it says, um, and they were struck down in the wilderness. And I thought, you know what? You could look at our culture today, Christianity in America, and go, we're in the wilderness. We are, let's... It doesn't look like a promised land. Uh, and the thing that I came up with that I was thinking about, you alluded to it, Eli, is that there's a lot of diluted gospel out there. A lot of diluted gospel. And there's a lot of idols. Um, a lot of idols, um, even among Christians. Idols of identity, whether it's your gender, your sex orientation. There's idols of political party or nationality, culture, ethnicity. And not focus on our identity as a son or daughter of God. Uh, so it just struck me that we are in the wilderness. And so, and then the, so there, there's an indictment there. And then there's a warning because in verse seven, Paul says, do not become idolaters as some of them did. Um, and I, I just felt like the Lord is encouraging us through this word to not become idolaters because i think some people have and maybe even myself has put some things um on an idol whether it's financial security or comfort health attractiveness whatever it may be um there's been some some idol worship uh and this is a whole thing but verse eight he talks about not indulging in sexual immorality which could also be an idol and is pervasive in our culture. Um, and then uh, in verse uh, 9 and 10, he talks about people losing faith in, in God and complaining. And he's referring to, um, you know, the Israelites being like, it was, it would have been better for us if we, we stayed in Egypt. We were fed there. We, we had water there. Um, and they were... They were complaining really about a blessing. And I'm like, how? And I realized how often do we complain? Do we not actually acknowledge the blessings of the Lord? I mean, the Israelites at this point had a mobile pet rock to give them water, manna and quail. It's not like they were starving. There was a miraculous appearance of food for them for 40 years. And they were like, we had pots of meat in, in Egypt. Yeah, but you were slaves. And how many of us look at the pots of meat and and ignore the chains of slavery that we were in and not see the blessings that God has given us? 
I know I've done that. And and this Paul's like, y'all, let's not do that again. He's he's warning us. Um, and and they're like, where is God? And and you know, I think it's easy for us to put blinders on and say, where is God? And actually, God is very prevalent, very present. We just have to get out of a, a spirit of complaining, a spirit of blindness, and look to the blessings that God has poured out. Poured out. Uh, what are our mobile pet rocks? What are our manna? What are our quail? Um, the daily blessings and provision that God gives us, even if it's small, it's a blessing from God. Um, and then in verse 14, uh, or 13 or 14, or no, 14, therefore, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. So just this call that Paul has to the church in Corinth and to us to, to recognize the idols and to flee from them, not to walk away, not to, to put aside, but to flee from idols. And then lastly, there's in verse 13, there's um, a word of hope, I think. Uh, it says, no testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. And I just think just as the Israelites experienced the faithfulness of God uh, during this time that he's referencing of uh, their time in, in the desert, in the wilderness, and we could see and say, I'm personally experiencing wilderness right now in my in my faith and discipleship journey, or the church in America, or America is in the wilderness. We can look at verse 13 and say, God is faithful, and there is no testing, no challenge, no difficulty that can that will overtake us because God is faithful. Preach, preacher, amen. Yeah, I like the uh, to the point of like the repeated like flee from idols whether it's idolatry or like disunity in of itself there's a sense and if you're if you're listening to this and you're unsure of like what idolatry is or what it means the idea that you have something in your life that you are putting ahead of god in priority or in the way that you hold it in your heart like um and idols aren't just like in biblical times like there's a lot of like specific like figures like actual like god like man-made structures they worship as gods and like when we talk about when charles is referring to idols here he's not necessarily saying that it is sometimes things that are good in their place but if that place goes above god then that's where it gets lost and i think to your point about like what um about like, like you brought it back to the idea of sufficiency and so the idea that like idolatry comes from feeling some sort of lack um that you you don't, aren't going to God to fill. It kind of gets back to our conversation about the vine. Um, and so I like your connection there of like they they had a they had a mobile pet rock and manna and they were free. And so God's grace was sufficient and He was enough for them. Um, but in idolatry of well, we had pots of meat, which is a good thing. Uh, <laughs> like is and it, just by itself, like because we have pots of meat, like well, we want to be back in that place. See. Yeah, they do the warping of uh, our minds that can happen when we take things that, and some things that are just straight up bad, but some things that are good and put them above uh, the place of God. I think that's a, it's an easy thing for um, is Christians, as people who profess uh, Jesus to fall into. Of like, well, this is a, a fine thing. Like, a career is a fine thing, but what place is it in? Um, wanting, like, 
stability or what have you is a fine thing, but what places it in? And yeah, it's kind of a challenging of do you, in what ways are you struggling to see God as sufficient because of the things that you will, will, will put over him? Yeah. I'll be thinking about that one. What about you, Jarrell? What was your passage? So I, I said to you guys before we started, I have to work, choose my words very carefully with what I'm about to say. Um, but I have not, I. Uh, rehearse that so we'll see how there's that grace goes. for you here there's grace for you here <laughs> see. so mine is uh from first corinthians 9 uh verses 19 to 22 um so this is paul talking and the theme is serving all men um so paul says for though i am free from all men i have made myself a servant to all that i might win the more and to the jews i became a jew that i might win jews to those who are under the law as under the law that i might win those who are under the law to those are without who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Um, I, I really, I really like this passage. I think it's Paul frames ministry here in a very um, sacrificial and intentional way that I think is easy to miss and easy to uh, do poorly. Um, so this idea that like I, that last passage, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. It speaks to an intentionality Paul had to knowing his audience and knowing the people who he was speaking to and choosing to meet them where they were and love them where they were, um, as opposed to making a distinction between himself and the people that he was preaching to. And I say that because I think that is where I have to be careful. Like, because he also warns really clearly against things like um, sexual immorality in this. And the Bible is obviously full of um, things that, that are considered sin that we want, that the Lord warns against. And that is for a very distinct purpose. And the idea that we are consecrated to Christ and we are set apart and for the holiness to which he has called us to, we refrain from certain practices or certain things that like as Christians, like, well, I, I don't do that. Or I try not to do that because I think that it's my life is better aligned with what God has for me. And I trust what he has for me to go back to Charles's point of sufficiency. I can say no to these things that maybe are tempting in the flesh because I know that God is enough. And that is good. I, I want to start with that. That is a good thing. If you, if you are, in a battle with any kind of temptation or any kind of um, sin, know that God is sufficient for you and know that he has given you the grace to resist those things. However, I think that sometimes when done from a wrong perspective or done in a way that is not uh, thoughtful or careful as it pertains to other people, sometimes as Christians, we can be very upfront about the stances we have on things and things we do and we don't do in a way that creates like a moral superiority between us and people who maybe aren't Christian or don't go to church or just haven't been to church in a while. And it becomes this, I need to, uh, it, it becomes this thing that intentionally or not, where we are, we're set apart from people, but in a way that isn't actually helpful in a way that doesn't serve the gospel. And it becomes a, like, I don't do this. I don't, uh, like, I don't support um, abortion or I don't believe in sex outside of marriage, things like that. And sometimes in certain corners of the church, that becomes a I'm better than you statement. 
And that damages the gospel because one, it's antithetical to what the gospel is because we believe that we are all people who need Jesus's love and forgiveness. And that is something he offers to all. So if we're putting ourselves above others in that way, intentionally or unintentionally, it counters that central idea to Christianity, which is our need. Um, but also it rails against what Paul does here, which is living among people and going out of his way to live among them. Not, as he says, not like by sinning, not by pretending that like the things that God has called him to as a follower of Jesus didn't, aren't a thing, but he takes the time to get to know people where they are. He takes time to familiarize himself with um, their life, their experience, their culture, their weaknesses. Um, as he says here, and he immerses himself in where they're at so that he can show them God is where you're at. Jesus is in the midst of this as well. Um, and so I, I, I guess what Paul would say, what I maybe think Paul would say to the church in regard to this is if you're going to do ministry at your work, at school, wherever your field is, um, to be intentional and be, be intentional to serve the people in your midst by being on their level and not elevating yourself above them in that kind of way. Like it's one of the things like people will point to things that Jesus said is like evidence for, like I've heard people on like street corners who preach like turn and burn, repent or go to hell. stuff. So like, well, Jesus said it's like, yeah, well, Jesus also hung out with broke fishermen and was homeless for his entire ministry. And also got like cheated on taxes and like all these things where it's like Jesus walked among us. Emmanuel is God with us. Paul, like in this passage, it says like to Jews that became Jews, those who became under law, I became under the law. He also was a nomad, got shipwrecked, got put in prison with the, with the rest of the Christians. And so there's this sense of like the gospel doesn't exist in like the the ways that God calls us to be set apart don't exist for us to elevate ourselves and look down on people. They exist so that we can better immerse ourselves in the lives of other people and love them exactly where they are. And so I guess like the challenge I have in, uh, in not even the challenge, but the thing I think in, in my own life is, am I loving people where they are? Um, am I able to be a person to people and not someone who like has a complex of like, Oh, I'm, I'm holier than thou is an old expression. Cause I think that on top of being something that, you know, makes us a give reason to boast, which is what Paul had before he became Paul. Um, it also just makes us the gospel uninviting and unwinning. And it kind of puts us in this place of, I think I'm better than you because there are things I refrain from that you don't, or there's like choices I've made. I haven't made that you have. And that's, yeah, it's unhelpful because people won't relate to you as a person. They'll just kind of feel that you are pan like talking down to them or patronizing them as someone who's in a moral authority of which none of us are. Um, so there's a long way of saying of, of saying that, but I think it's 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 important because if not, then we we preach a very unattractive gospel and we make uh, fools of ourselves in the process. I love that, Jarrell. Uh, two things just to like that struck me while you were speaking. So the first thing was just like one meeting people where they are and preaching a gospel that is accurate to the way that Jesus spoke. So uh, there's frequently this, you know, I, you mentioned, you know, repent for the kingdom has come near. But like 
oftentimes it can be preached as in like repent because you're going to go to hell but like that's actually not what jesus said like god's not pointing a gun at us and saying i can't wait to pull the trigger like it is repent because the kingdom has come near don't repent because god's angry at you repent because god in despite you being his enemy has only come closer to you repent because god's love for you is a, is relentless repent because he empowered you to do so and so that is the quality of the attractive gospel of the true gospel that you're talking about that love can actually like that we can actually be loved into submission to god and that is profoundly different than really anything the world offers the second thing that came to mind is like what you were saying about this moral high ground um so first corinthians 6 starting in verse 9 or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, right? And so the church is not made up of people who've never done these things. It's made up of people who used to do these things. And Paul continues, but you were washed. And to your point, we oftentimes treat people who are not yet in Christ, not yet Christians, not yet declaring the gospel, not yet declaring that God is our Lord and Savior, as if they've been washed already. But Paul is speaking to people who were washed, who have confessed Christ, who are Christians. That's the and the line between someone who is a believer and isn't is immense. And so, not doing this moral gatekeeping, as you were saying, to keep out those who need him most. Um, I love, I, I love everything, and I resonate so immensely with what you said. Thank you, thank you, Jarrell. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, you know, it made sense. It's just, yeah, we. There's, a, I have a friend of our Joseph Matthias, actually, same guy I mentioned before. Said once said like, in a talk he gave, like you love your brother for his own sake, and this idea that like it's for the sake of loving people well that we do it. It's not so much of a let me tell let me tell you how you need to change it's like you're you're my friend and i'm going to love you where you're at as someone who uh was made to love god love others and um grow in that so yeah hopefully hopefully that resonates um and yeah do you have any other thoughts on first corinthians that's a lot it's 16 chapters of a lot and is yes maybe a part two <laughs> Yeah, we or maybe a Patreon for this. First Corinthians, the sequel. Do you mean Second Corinthians? No. First no. Corinthians, the sequel. First Corinthians, part two. Second Corinthians, part two. Like again, you're not hearing me. You're not. First you're Corinthians. Not. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. We're off to a good start here. I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. It was it was fun changing up the format and and digging into the word here. So that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. It is great to be back. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes just about every other Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow and get on the ground for a million dollars ideas, consider becoming a patron and head over to, to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content like our million dollar idea. So check that out and we'll talk to you soon here at the well.